This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. With zest, positivity, and a whole lot of moxie, Diane Gilman is a fashion legend who inspires women to embrace their third act. Jean Queen Diane began her career as a serial entrepreneur at just 16, but she did not reach her stride until she was 60. At that point, she finally achieved the success and respect she dreamed of as a young girl, aspiring to become a famous fashion designer. From overcoming obstacles such as her parents not supporting her ambitions to a late-life breast cancer diagnosis, Diane epitomizes resilience and tenacity and hopes that by sharing her stories, other women will be motivated to live their lives to the fullest. Currently, she's dedicated to bringing her cool girl energy to a generation that has the potential to thrive in later life. Diane's latest book, Too Young to Be Old, along with advice she now offers on this website and at The Diane Gilman, is filled with her trademark knack for fashion, fitness, and fortitude. Essentially, Diane's mission is to normalize a positive and productive view of aging with the belief that age should never hold women back, but rather propel them forward. Valeria interviews Diane Gilman. She is the author of Too Young to Be Old, how to Stay Vibrant, Visible, and Forever in Blue Jeans, 25 Secrets from TV's Jean Queen. A fashion rule breaker with millions of loyal fans, the charismatic, pearl-haired queen of jeans, Diane Gilman is 77 years young and embracing aging instead of fighting it. An inspiration for women embracing their third act, Diane is the top tele-retailing brand globally who is just getting started. And not unlike many women's stories, recognition for Diane came later in life with the launch of her DG2 jeans line on HSN, which has become the top tele-retailing brand globally. Over $100 million a year in retail sales domestically could be seen on QVC UK, Italy, Germany, France, Australia, and Canada. Her latest book, Too Young to Be Old, is another compelling take on conquering life's challenges and harnessing one's own power to live a third act filled with dream-catching and fulfillment. In 2021, Diane was chosen for 50 Over 50, Know Your Value Movement, Micah Brzezinski. Meet Diane at thedianegilman.com. Here's the interview with Diane Gilman. In your own words, who is Diane Gilman? Oh, I would say a silver-haired warrior. (laughs) I would say someone who has the luxury of living minute by minute in a state of gratitude after coming out of stage three breast cancer, literally 
enriched, enlightened, and in many ways set free. That sounds really wonderful to me, especially when you say being set free. It's a question mm -hmm. that I often ask about what is freedom? What is to experience freedom? So would you say that has something to do with a state of gratitude, of moment-to-moment -moment gratitude, or something else or something more? I think any time you come out of a dark tunnel, and this one was medical, obviously, yeah. you see your life backwards, forwards, in the moment, in a totally different way. And maybe because it was the first time in my entire life since I was nine years old that I wasn't going and working every day, yeah. I got a chance to just silence myself inside and try and get some balance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when I realized there were a lot of physical, money-oriented yeah. attitudes attached to me yeah. that came loose and mm -hmm. freed me. And I realized I didn't have to define myself by how many hours I worked every day. Right. And then maybe there were some dreams that I wanted to kind of step back, take a look at and say, yes, you're free. You're free to do something spiritual. Mm. You're free to take a deep breath and really take a good look around you. I've never done that. So what was really, oh, considered by so many of my friends around me as the tragedy of my life, actually, in its strangest of ways, turned out to be a blessing. Isn't it amazing how we get to know that there is more to the human experience than just the, the body and mind, the yeah. movements of mind and body, right, Diane? Yeah, I, I think that especially when you live in a city like Manhattan, you're in a very self-serving, shallow right, profession right. <laughs> like fashion and then tele-retailing. You tend to be in a bubble and yes. that isolates you yes. when you are thrown into a common pool which would be cancers breast cancer for women yes. and you're waiting for treatment and you're all in this vast waiting room every single woman has something on her mind about this and every single woman is different and i came to the conclusion first time in my life I realized that unless you had your health, you had nothing. And how much of a great leveler a disease like cancer is. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor. It doesn't care if you're old or young. It doesn't care if you're pretty or not. It doesn't care if you live in a penthouse in Manhattan. There is your onslaught. There is your enemy. There is where your warrior instincts have to come out. But I considered that so cathartic, and I think it helped set me up for my later years in life because I had uh, cancer. I was diagnosed when I was 72. I'm 77 now. Yeah. I would see the chemo nurses, and it was so obvious to me. They knew who I was from TV, but everybody was treated the same. 
with care and with kindness and compassion. Mm. I'm telling you, that was like going to the University of Life that year and a half of intense treatment. It, it changed course for everything for me. And I think it also made me understand the value of kindness, the incredible worth of a genuine smile. I don't know. I came out a different person (laughs) on the other end. (laughs) I love to hear that. And and that's an interesting observation, as you just mentioned, kindness. And that was the first impression that I had of you. I don't know much about TV. I don't watch TV. I was never into... I'm very bad with the fashion thing. (laughs) I wear whatever is in there. (laughs) So (laughs) completely the opposite in a way uh, from... People like yourself, you used to be in, in people in the fashion industry, but you came across, if I could define you with one word would be kindness. And then I never met you. And that's interesting how how that came to me, that message. That's so shocking. Yes. Wow. I did. I, I, I don't think I have I don't think I've ever <laughs> heard anybody describe me that way, but it, the issue you describe me is oh. You're so New York. I'm not sure what that means either. But, you know, I think when you're in a position where you are so vulnerable that you depend on kindness, when you come through, you realize how precious that is. And I'll give you a complete example. I just went on a, a trip. I belong to a conservation club and we were being honored in Dallas, Fort Worth. So, okay. So we stayed in a very little hotel and every morning you would come out of your bedroom, your room, and there would be women cleaning, making the beds. And every single morning I said good morning to each of those women in the hallway because you think to yourself, wow, how lucky am I? I had dreams when I was a little girl of what I wanted to be. And those dreams, not to say that I didn't have to work for them, but they all came true. But you know that these women that are cleaning rooms in the equivalent of a motel, this was not their dream as a little girl. They dreamt of being a princess or I know that for a fact. And so I say hello to them. I make eye contact with them and... I think it means something. They feel validated. They feel not invisible as a servant. Those are very important things to me because as you get older, and I'm 77, about to be 78, you really have to start thinking, what is your legacy, especially if you don't have children? And if I had to really give a true legacy, it would be that when I travel on beyond the fiscal plane, When people think of me, they get a smile on their face and say, wow, that woman was so kind. Yes. Yes. A billion times to that. Yeah. Mm. I'd think the same way. If there was one legacy, it would be kindness, which is really, it's love, isn't it? It's, um, it's a byproduct. Oh, it is love itself, a manifestation of love. Yeah. Um, You mentioned dreams. I know this is something that in your book, Too Young to Be Old, How to Stay Vibrant, Visible, and Forever in Blue Jeans, 25. (laughs) I love that. 25 secrets from TV's Jean Queen. Yeah, you mentioned dreams. One of the secrets, just 
you're not too old to dream. I believe you say it that Ever. way. And then you mentioned those Ever. women who were cleaning hotels, motel. When they were young, they had a dream. What happens, uh, Diane? Why do we lose contact with our own dreams? Well, I don't think you lose contact. I think that, I know this is going to sound ancient, but until I was about six years old, there wasn't anything called television. There was no television. (laughs) But you have a society where there is all this manufactured entertainment that tells you yeah. who you should be. Right, right. And maybe that's what you ingest, but it never really is you. Like for me, you know, when we started getting TV, I think we got a TV when I was like seven and a half years old. And we were uh, oh, second person on the block to have TV. It was so exciting. <laughs> okay. Yes. So as it goes on, all uh-huh. of the TV shows uh-huh. are Leave it to Beaver, and it's June Cleaver, and she's a perfect housewife, and she vacuums with her high heels on and her perfect dress. I was told to be things that I never asked to be. I never wanted to be a housewife. I never wanted to be the perfect wife with the food on the table, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it's so much that we lose sight of our dreams. I think it's more like you ingest a bunch of almost propagandistic dreams that are put in front of you. And maybe you try the first time or the second time to be married and, and achieve that perfection television image. And, you know, I'm not sure that many people really are honest enough with themselves and say, and say, you know what? That just isn't me. And then I think the other thing, too, for my generation, so strong as baby boomers. And I wonder often, where are all of us? Because we used to have such a huge voice Mm -hmm. in the 1960s through the mid-70s that I guess everybody just sort of peeled off, got married, got involved in their own their very own bubble capsule world. And, you know, the basic truth is we are the spending power of America, the foundational bottom of the budget. We are the biggest generation on earth and we're about to become the majority of America. I think in about two years over 55 will be the, it's a graying nation like Japan. So I think our voice has got to change and become much more vocal and apparent. And we've got to say to ourselves, yeah, 70 is a new 70. But the real truth is people that love what they do, like me, may have altered it slightly to make it more accommodating to the decade I'm in. But I never intended on stopping producing, feeling valuable, having a voice, trying to help other women my age, which I'm really passionate about. I I think that you have to believe in yourself and believe that any decade, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and beyond are valuable, precious 
take advantage of them. You're the smartest you'll ever be. You've got all that strength of knowledge behind you. Um, so I guess my passion is being the coach, lifestyle coach slash cheerleader for my baby boomer sisters mm -hmm. and make aging better, a softer landing, more productive, more vocal, more fun. Am I leaving anything out there? Probably, <laughs> Probably am, but... <laughs> yes, I love the fun part too, which yeah. you, you very much, you represent that really well. Really, really well. The way you look and the way you speak, just now listening to you, it's fun. That's what... Yeah, yeah, oh, <laughs> it's I, a lot of fun. <laughs> I, that's me. I want to make people laugh. And when I went through cancer treatment, I felt like... They're not looking forward to getting another grumpy old lady, <laughs> yes. a grumpy, bitter old lady, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, no. So I made a vow that I would bring some light and joy to everybody yes. around me, the oncologists, the nurses, everybody. And then they would look forward to seeing me, and it would be a, a better experience all around. And I really credit laughing, having periods Small, but still, every day where I smiled, I laughed, I told a joke. I credit that with helping me heal as quickly as I did. Yes, and laughter is a huge part of my life too. And I see oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes such an impactful difference. I mean, mm -hmm. I cannot even compare before and after. I don't want to even think. I don't even think about the when I didn't smile, when I didn't laugh and laugh as often. So yeah, it's such a it adds a flavor to life. There's something about wisdom, really, which has to do with inner peace to me, because I can't really laugh if I'm not peaceful within. So I think that's what it is too, Diana. It's a it's a sense of peace, and then. And then joy just arises from nowhere. And, and I find life to be very fun in so many ways. I think the way, and I'm fascinated with cats. So I have yeah. two cats of my own. Yeah. And one of them purrs all the time. And so I looked up purring and it said that it was actually a self-healing mechanism oh. for felines that if they had something wrong or their blood was sluggish or was even mending their bones, yeah, wow. that purring, which is the equivalent to me of humans laughing, yeah, yeah. actually was a self-healing mechanism. Therefore, I believe that for laughter too. I think I will bet you the mm -hmm. healthiest people are the ones who get the most joy out of every day. Yes, I would say so. Absolutely. Now that there is not room for introspection and reflection, I also love plenty to do, of room. Right, I love to reflect yeah. too. Yeah, it, the foundation to me has been inner peace. How do you define success these days, Diane? Wow, that's so different. So the first thing I would say, with great pride and again a lot of gratitude is. Yeah. I think I always dreamt when I was a little girl, I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer. I knew I wanted to live in New York City. I knew I wanted to travel globally, and I was able to propel myself into all of that. It is amazing at the age of 77 yes. to look back and have people say, wow, your career was so great, or wow, you're such an icon in you know, tell a retail. And 
think to myself, oh my God, I actually did it. Mm, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, I have the luxury of looking back and remembering all those insurmountable problems and crises along the way. And somehow I got through every one of them. Amazing. <laughs> yes. So I, I think, number one, how lovely it is for me that other people have recognized that my hard work was what I always say the equation for being very lucky. The harder you work, the luckier you mm, get. Yes. Yes. Now everything has shifted from Tillery Tailing to not selling anything physical, right. but selling a philosophy of approaching the latter years of your life totally differently and far happier and more active and making big plans and, and having big dreams. So I'm just beginning to put that what success right now yeah. in my life means, but I've had a lot of great signposts that hmm. being on social media and striving to be a silver haired influencer uh -huh. is going to work for me. And I'm going to be able to give out a much broader message, a much more spiritual message than I was ever able to do on TV. And maybe success at this point in my life is people always say the same thing. Do you love it? And I say, Oh, I love what I'm doing now. And they say, then you should go on doing it because now it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with giving back and satisfaction mm. for doing that. Uh, that is a big one for me, that question. Do you love what you do? And if the answer is yes, that's it. <laughs> You're <Yeah>. successful. <laughs> that's how I see. I'm 46, so I can't see that far ahead. I usually live in the moment. I stay here. But I do have, I have always had great appreciation for wisdom, whatever that is. For me, it has been being able to be peaceful mm -hmm. within challenges, kind of being able to, uh, it's almost like navigate or dance within everything that's happening, good or bad, just be so centered in the way you said about believing in yourself that to me, I usually use the word trust. I trust my heart so much that it's okay. Whatever happens, I just let it be. You know, that's so interesting because I had always been a good designer, not a great designer. I always made a very good living, but not, you know, gigantic. And It took me until almost 60 years old to actually design something straight from my heart, a middle-aged gene for a middle-aged body, mine, and subsequently millions of women. Yes. And the minute I fully became engaged with what I was presenting from my heart and through my heart, we shot to a, a company that did... $100 million dollars a year in retail sales, year after year after year. It took me that long to lose my defense mechanism. Mm, yes, <laughs> yes. And because, you know, as an artist, and, and I was a true designer, I loved it and lived it and breathed it and had to do it and was obsessed with it. You can wrap your heart up 
and put it in a box and shield it because you're going to get rejected so many times and it could really break you. But the minute I opened up my heart, everything happened for me. I became a complete anomaly at the age of 60. I had my major light bulb moment in a youth-obsessed industry. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, there weren't that many other 60-year-old designers who had lasted that long. But I guess I was just waiting, 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 hoping I would get some kind of big break. And little did I know, I was the creator of my own big break with an idea that I really loved. That's a big message, a wonderful message for all of us. Thank you. Yeah, and a beautiful reminder for those who are in doubt um, of trusting our own hearts and doing what we know we want to do. It's not about trying to show off or be something for anyone else. It's about what makes us feel ourselves. What makes me feel confident regardless of having money or looking beautiful? What is that? And for me, it's doing this. It's having deep conversations. I know it sounds very simple, but it's, uh, it just opens my heart. It's what I live for. I think the thing that's funny as you get older is everybody has an idea of what should make you happy. Like everybody says, oh, (laughs) you're retiring from TV now. Oh, you're going to travel all the time, right? Well, you know what? I traveled for about 25 years, 30 years, nonstop. I even used to commute two weeks on, two weeks off from Hong Kong. It was relentless. So everyone keeps saying, what? What happened? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you traveling? Could it be that I don't have the same vision for me that you do? That's the one really tricky thing is you have got to, at some point, shut out the exterior noise and really find a space and a place in yourself where you can hear you. You can hear your soul talking back to you and Mm -hmm. saying, don't listen to them. So what? They're not you. What do you want to do? I, frankly, I don't want to travel. So that is, to me, one of the biggest challenges of growing up and going into what I call this phase of my life as a third act. Listen to yourself. You are your wisest counselor. Yes, a billion times again to that message. Yeah, that resonates very much with me. So let me ask you this open question about your book. Too Young to Be Old. I love the title. It's it stayed Thank with you. me since the very moment I saw it. What is the main, was and is the main purpose of having the book out there and to have written this book, Diane? There were two purposes. First of all, um, Christmas Eve of 2017, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Terrible, yeah, with great way to spend the holidays. And one friend of mine was the senior editor of the Palm Beach Post. And I called her up and I said, you're not going to believe this. Like, stage 3 breast cancer. Merry Christmas. Do you want to write a book with me? And we'll walk through the whole thing together. So she said yes. And so that was going to be a chronicle of being older, having been 
super healthy all my life. I've never been in a hospital, ever. And suddenly, oh, that's not true. I actually got a facelift about five years ago, so I was in the hospital for two yeah. nights. But so that was part of it. And then I went through a lot, a lot of vanity emotion, which was I cut my hair off. My hair was down almost to my waist. Huge mane of red hair dyed. Cut that and shaved it all off. I went through a whole metamorphosis coming back decided for my hair to be normal like to be and it came out like powder wig white so it is very dramatic but I got to know myself a lot more through that about two-year period and I had a lot of time to think I wasn't dragging a suitcase from one place to another and I thought I'm never going to believe I'm not going to survive this But I'm going to come out the other end and I'm not going to have a lot of the vanity um, uh, kind of barricades I I always put up against having anybody come close to me. So I wanted to give my version of what it was like for a glamour girl, a Manhattan glamour, fashion glamour girl to have to give up almost everything that she felt held her together, including designing for over a year, to do something, put your life on hold, and know when your life goes to green light again, you are going to be forever different. And who are you going to be? And what are you going to do with it? That's a big part about what the book is. It's about the fact that for us girls, and I like to call I like to call us our Silverella sisterhood. There is very little information beyond drugs, which not recreational drugs, but drugs that I don't want to take. There is always this incessant emphasis on, well, you're going to get old, you're going to get sick, you're going to take these drugs, da-da-da. So the other thing was, having been in TV forever, I had a deep resentment to using television, cable television, that's how um, old I am, to just always reinforce on society an image of aging that was a terrible decline, always sick, always needing help, always depressed, always this, always that. So that became a big part of the book also, which was, hey, want to know the real truth? The majority of people polled, but a vast majority, like 90%, said that their 70s were the happiest years Mm, of their lives. And you don't think that because that isn't how society is geared. Society is geared for you turn 60, 65, out the door, invisible, gone, not part of the current rhythm of the human race. And it's such an antiquated point of view that I decided to add my voice to saying, hey, no, guess what? I'm a 78. I'm still working. I'm still being heard. I'm still enjoying life. And yeah, I had to customize my life because it's different. I'm not 40 anymore. But I'll tell you what, it's still pretty great. And that is what the book is about. 
maybe I would say overall, appreciating the moment you're in. You said something earlier before we started recording. You said that you were someone that lived in the moment. I was not. But Uh guess what? The past is gone. Tomorrow's not here yet. So what's your best choice of action? Live today. Yes. Live the now, the, the spectacular yes. now. Yeah, yeah, that's it. What is not to love about your message? When I think about aging, I think about wisdom. I always think about wisdom. Really? Yeah, because the it's obvious to me that the more I age, the more I see life differently. And there's a, a greater appreciation for the maturity the things that I have learned. So it's so easy for me to let go of the looks and how, let's say, energized I used to be and all that, although I'm still energized, but it's it, there's a difference, as you said. Yeah. But there's such a deep appreciation for, for me, for learning, because I'm very curious about everything. So the more I learn something new, it's almost like being re- reborn. It's almost like living as a child in a way. How could I be old if I'm always learning new things or interested in something that's here that I don't yet know or understand. So I guess that keeps me young at that level from that perspective, because I don't, I think much less in terms of the body and more of how I feel. It's more like this, how do I feel? It's more that dance of of thoughts, of um, imagination. It's a different kind of way. I don't know, Diane, it's a Yeah, I'm very much less attached to the body, although before I used to be. I've been um, a lover of wisdom, but I couldn't really express that truth, my truth, because of the bands of the outside. As you said, we become distracted and then we decide to try what people are suggesting and then we forget about our own desires, heart desires especially. And I also think that a lot of what keeps you vital is feeling that you have a purpose. Yes. It's a problem for a lot of women, and that's what the empty nest syndrome is about. Children were your purpose, and then you're left feeling like untethered, and what am I going to do? Well, if you're in a profession like I was in, and it was really two professions, television and fashion, that both depend on looks, that both only respect age, young, and money, you wonder, whoa, now what? And I found that um, that you have to take from about 60 years old, even 55 on, and say to yourself, this is a very deliberate period of my life, and it is not going to be like youth or childhood or middle age. It is it's very own period it's absolutely the most valuable period of your life there should be a sense of rejoicing Mm -hmm. for every moment because i don't think it's a coincidence that those of us who live to be 78 85 90 my friend iris apfel just turned 103 wow that we're here for a purpose and we need to find that and execute that. So mm-hmm. I do it because, of course, I live my life by sense of purpose. But you know what? I had never had, I 
when I first went into chemotherapy, you know, and then you come home and you rest for however long it is, a week or a day or whatever it is, I thought, wow, this is really what people do with their lives. Mm -hmm. Like you don't work. You get to look out the window. (laughs) You get to watch grade Z horror movies. You get, I mean, even that had its, its total appeal to it. Just realize, I think this, if I had to say one thing in conclusion, I think one of the saddest things is we have lost the ability to see miracles all around us. Yes, so, so true. I think you probably heard a, a quote that says, you either see everything as a miracle or nothing as a miracle. So it's um, one or the other in a way. I don't know if that's that black and white, but yeah, there's something about the deep appreciation for what's happening, being here, just this happening. A lot of times I say that I don't even know what this is, you know, which we call life. It's uh, just happening. You know, there's something, the sense that I'm here, I'm talking to you in this moment and ah, it feels good. (laughs) It feels purposeful. And there's something here that kind of opens the heart. And that's my sign. That's what I live for. There's the heart opens. When we spoke of a purpose, I read in your book that one of the secrets is, um, and I don't want to mention all of them, <laughs> but follow your bliss. So that kind of, um, you made me think about that and connect the idea of purpose to bliss, following whatever is, right, the joy yeah. yeah, whatever makes your heart sing. And if you have lived a life unlike mine, if you've lived a life where work was an obligation and not a passion, then whatever time you have as left as you leave that period of your life and, and that almost like being indentured, go for your heart, which we discussed earlier. I go back to that again. Go for your heart. Now, I know because every time I do a podcast like this, whether it's my own weekly podcast or yours and everyone has a different style, I come away from it thinking, oh, I really love that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, I had such a good time. And it really fuels my passion for getting important messages out there like we have the hardest time as we age not actually being angry at ourselves and not loving ourselves because Mm. we're no longer youthful and perfect anymore. That's another recurrent theme in my book. Forgive yourself. You're lucky to be here. You're definitely one of the chosen ones. And so when I say follow your bliss, that includes do what you love to do, even if it's the smallest thing. Even if you're just the best person in your neighborhood for baking chocolate chip cookies and you bring them with you to every summer barbecue and Mm -hmm. people just can't wait. They anticipate it. That's your bliss. And nothing too small and no dream too big Mm. not to be in the bliss category. But you must activate that and you must find it. And that could be good too. That's a good occupation, finding your bliss. Right. Yes. Because when we think about purpose, it feels like it's too big, something that's too big and it's not tangible. Well, when, yeah, when I think about 
oh, really, Diane, you just want to change society (laughs) and and have have little white-haired old ladies like you get more more respect, more opportunities, more visibility. And the answer is, yeah, I do. (laughs) It's a big, big dream. But if enough of us dream big, even in our small selves, it can become something. It can become an actionary force. So uh, that's me. Follow my bliss. I'm very dedicated at this point in my life to doing what makes me very happy because I feel that my actions reverberate and the joy I have for doing them, I share. And it it is a good aura and glow that just keeps like a ripple effect in a glassy lake when you skip a pebble. So you can affect a lot of people through good energy placed correctly. And in this case, I can feel the alignment between what do you write about in a book and the way you express yourself. It's, it's so one. It's There's no separation between those two. So that's when I know too. You're not just delivering a message. You are the message, yeah. which is beautiful. Uh, I, I think at a certain point, you have to be. And what I see right. in society today, and I know we're ending this, but I'm just going to be really quick about this. We were never my generation from 55 on now. We were never seen as the important generation that we truly are. We haven't been seen that way for 50 years. And it's now just beginning to turn around. You know, Sports Illustrated did a multi-age fold-out cover last year and the year before, but last year, notably with May Musk, Elon Musk's mother, at 76, being the cover girl in a bathing suit. And my friend Iris Appel was the cover of Bazaar magazine for her 100th birthday. These were sellout record sales copies. And so now, of course, this year, there's going to be another 76-year-old on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And I know the fabulous model Carmen at 92 years old just shot a cover of Vogue. Why? We are visible enough at this point where we are money makers and money spenders. And so knowing that even if I am one thread in a tapestry of people in my generation who just want it differently. Don't treat us like doddering old idiots. Treat us like the wisdom we are and what we can carry and what we can execute. Then I will die a happy woman. Wow, I'd love to hear that, Diane. It's transcending this stigma of age. It's basically moving from, to me, like the finite to the infinite, limitless. Ah, I love that comes from my spiritual understandings of what this is, but it applies to everything. It's feeling limitless, free, as you said, from the very beginning, being free. Yes. We are almost at the end. I want to mention a section in your book that caught my attention. I think it was in the, the introduction you, you write, we are beautiful today in ways we could not be when we were 20, 
30 and 40 because we share the beauty of wisdom. We know ourselves. We are too vibrant to become invisible. We see with the clarity only real life experience can reveal. Mm-hmm. That just kind of opened my heart. Of course, the beauty of wisdom, it's expressed everywhere in you and the way you manifest here in this reality and your book and your words. But it's something that, as I said before, that I live for. So I have not just appreciation, but for some reason I have devotion to for these things. <laughs> I want to thank you again for your beautiful presence in our reality and for the message that you're so passionate about, which opens my heart. <laughs> thank you so much, Diane, for being you. Uh, this, was, uh, <laughs> this was such a pleasure. I thank you so much. I'm so glad I met you. And I hope I resonate to everybody out there by saying that age is a privilege, not a punishment. Yes. Believe that and you will truly grow old gracefully and happily and productively. Mm. Yes. Thank you again. I have one more question for you and then um, a technical one and then we'll say goodbye for now. This one, I have lots of ending questions to you, but for some reason I want to ask you this one. If life had one purpose, one purpose only, what would that be from your perspective? For me as a human, as an individual, I think I'm an ancient soul. And um, if I had to say why I was here again in this particular physical plane, um, number one, I would say I was here to learn, which I think was for me what cancer was all about. And I think it would be that I would be here recognize my power, which would be my talents for making women beautiful through fashion, but also communication. And I would do something big with those once I understood the power of them and that I had them. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. I was given a lot at birth and I also had a a very, very, very uh, negatively challenging childhood into early adulthood. And somehow I managed to overcome everything. And now here I am. And I think I'm in that position I'm talking about of everything I learned. And now how am I going to use that for a really good purpose on having a wide range of people be able to share in that. So that's, that's what I think I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah, yes, you definitely are. You probably have heard about the purpose of finding your gift and then giving it away. So that's what kind of came to me as a message. So you found oh, your power, yeah, your gift, yeah. and you gave it away. Yeah, yeah, don't keep it to yourself once you find it. The next step is... What can you do for um, the good of your sisterhood, your the family of friends you've built around you, the people that look up to you? Everybody today wants an answer. Everybody today wants some form of guidance. I think it's a really, really dark time. And so for those of us that shed light, 
that are like a beam of light, it is our responsibility to light up as many and as much as we can along our path. Yes, another trillion times yes to that. Beautiful vision, yes. Thank you so much again, Diane, for your beautiful presence, message, everything that you represent. And before we say goodbye for today, where's the best place to find more information about you? Oh, I would go on to my YouTube channel, Too Old to Be Young. Um, and then, of course, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, The Diane Gilman. So that would be where you would find out what my career was like. And the book kind of reads like a mystery novel and a roller coaster. <laughs> all wrapped up in one but it's an interesting read also for anybody a who's having a struggle with aging or b says wow why is life so difficult for me it's difficult for everybody it's almost like what is the attitude and i'm going to leave you with one last thought yeah there was it just a, a page in my book, and it was about, and we talked about dreams earlier. Yeah. It was about a dream. I had one of those dreams where it's beyond a dream. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's, I do. It's a message. Yes. It's something that is meant to redirect you. So the night before I had chemo, my first chemotherapy treatment, which I was terrified of, I dreamt I was in my old little VW Bug, which I drove when I was 18. Who knows why I thought of that in the dream. Mm -hmm. And I was driving down a very rocky dirt road surrounded by wilderness. And suddenly I came to a screeching halt because there was literally a straight up and down needle mountain ahead of me. I gunned my engine, I got up a couple of feet, I slid back down. I did that a few more times. I got out of the car. I realized if I got to the top of the mountain, I would just fall down the other side and crash. But I had a sense that I had to get to the other side. And then I turned into a giant Hmm. and the mountain became a sharp pebble under my feet, and I just walked over it. Mm, I would say that became a real signpost of how I cope with my life. Just get bigger than your problems, and you'll see the solution. (laughs) The eagle's point of view is always so much better than the ant that sees your front lawn as a dense jungle it can never get through. Just become the eagle and you'll see the whole landscape and how to get through whatever seems insurmountable right now. That's a powerful message, too. I love that. Great. <laughs> Becoming bigger than your problem, right? Mm-hmm. That's really wonderful. Gosh, I w- wish we have another whole conversation only about that. That's that <laughs> deep spirituality. <laughs> Thank you so much, Diane, again. And we'll talk so soon. Much fun. Yes. Thank Yay, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Bye for now. Take good Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. 
To learn more about Diane Gilman and her work, please visit thedianegilman.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.